and I am the program director. Uh, and so the way this is going to run is the first 30, 40 minutes or so, I'm gonna walk the panelists through some questions um, that either I have prepared or some people have sent to me. Uh, and then the last 20 minutes or so, we'll open up uh, questions from the audience. Uh, you can put your questions in the chat or the Q&A section, and we will distribute that to our alumni. So um, if there's anything that I missed or didn't cover that you're wondering, uh, hold on to the end and we will get to your questions. Um, we're gonna cover a lot of different topics. We wanna find out what are our panelists doing? Um, how are they doing it? <laughs> how did they get there? Any advice they have, tips and tricks? Uh, but if uh, you have any questions, uh, it can be about applying to our program or um, questions about the job placement aspect after the program, questions about interviewing for a data science role, um, program experience, all of that good stuff. These are questions uh, that feel free to ask our panelists. Um, yeah, and if, as a reminder, we're gonna try and get through all the questions and everybody's questions by the end of this session. If we don't get to your question, um, or if you have any other additional questions, you can always reach us at admissions at the data incubator.com and we're happy to get back to you. Um, then uh, I also just wanna remind you guys that our application is currently open for our spring cohort. Our spring cohort is going to run from April 5th uh, to May 28th. An application for early admissions is open right now. So you can go to our website and you can apply. The early admissions closes on January 15th. Uh, and then, um, then you'll miss out on that early admissions uh, deadline. Uh, and then our regular admissions, I believe, closes, um, I want to say 2-12. So um, I'll go over those dates at the end, but just to have a heads up as far as that. All right, well, you guys aren't here to hear from me. So let's get in and let me introduce our panelists for you. Um, first person that I have on my list is our alumni, Isaac. Uh, he is um, located in New York and he did his undergraduate degree in physics and did four years of graduate research studying optical frequency uh, at the National Institute of Technology before leaving with a master's in electrical engineering. Uh, he participated in the data incubator in the summer of 2019, and he started working at uh, Intellect Design in September of 2019. Uh, he's currently focused on NLP, and he's interested in unsupervised and semi-supervised and transfer machine learning approaches. So welcome, Isaac. Uh, next up, we have Yuri Bogman. Um, Yuri is a deep learning team lead working on a recommender systems for the merchandising slash advertising team uh, at eBay in New York. He received his undergraduate degree in physics from UC Berkeley and a PhD degree in applied physics from Columbia, um, performing research on experimental condensed matter physics, focusing on nanotechnology. Uh, thermoelectric transport and graphene. After going through uh, the inaugural program at the Data Incubator, I, I do believe Yuri was in our first cohort ever. Uh, he landed a job at eBay and has continued uh, a, wide variety, a wide range of components of recommender system stack uh, from machine learning ranker, deep learning modeling to offline 
uh, data pipelines to real-time serving infrastructure. And, and in 2020, Yuri has focused on developing personalized recommendations uh, using user embedding generated by a text-based deep learning model. So welcome, Yuri. You truly are the OG of the data incubator. <laughs> Uh, next, I have uh, Thane, and he um, ooh, and he is located, I believe, in Pittsburgh, right? Um, he has his PhD in physics and uh, is working as a clinical data scientist um, or machine learning engineer at the healthcare sector since he finished his fellowship at the Data Incubator. He now leads a data science team uh, at Clinical Analytics Department at University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. Um, it has 40 hospitals and 700 doctor offices and outpatient sites. Uh, he's mainly focused on patient care and machine learning models that bridge between uh, physicians and patients. So welcome, Thane. Oh, thanks for having me. And last but certainly not least, we have William Bowser. Uh, I believe he's located in DC. Um, hard to know these days when everybody's remote, uh, but he is an experienced data science leader and strategy expert with over 12 years of experience providing thought leadership and analytics experience in academia, research, and private industry. He is currently managing a team of data scientists at Freddie Mac, where he leads a portfolio of data-driven projects in the area of risk management. Prior to joining Freddie Mac, he served as the head of data strategy and analytics for Hello Tractor, which is an award ag tech company focused on delivering modern solutions to small scale farm enterprises in sub-Sahara Africa. Um, he spent his early career conducting quantitative research on market institutions and economic policy and emerging and developing economies such as uh, Brazil, Ethiopia, Nigeria, Mozambique, Zim, uh, Zimbabwe, uh, Ghana, and Tanzania. So welcome, William. Thank you for joining Thank us. You. Oh, and I forgot the last part, I'm sorry. You have so much to talk about. Uh, he earned his doctorate in applied economics from the University of Illinois and his bachelor's uh, in agribusiness from Florida A&M. So I'm so sorry to cut that off, but welcome, William. <laughs> it's a pleasure. All right, guys, so we've heard about what you're kind of doing, what you've been doing, what you're kind of doing now, um, but let's get into the nitty gritty. Tell us more about what your current role is and, and what it looks like to be a data scientist at your current company. Um, I don't have a set order, so whoever wants to jump in first, feel free to go ahead. I can jump out. Um, so um, I, I work, uh, in financial services uh, at Freddie Mac, as Erica mentioned. And um, I also teach um, data science. I didn't mention that, but um, most of the work that I do, I would say, is around designing models and also testing some of the enterprise models, um, looking for uh, weak points or uh, different research ideas that need to be tested. Um, we've, we've spent a lot of time updating. I don't know if anybody's uh, been keeping track of all of the, the changes in the mortgage finance industry, um, but there's been a lot of rules to our uh, capital rules. And so a lot of the analytics that my team works on is around um, developing models that help us better forecast the, the capital requirements um, to manage the, the risk in, a, in the credit portfolio. Awesome. Thank you, William. Anybody else want to talk about what they're currently doing? 
Uh, sure, I'll go ahead. Um, yeah, my company does B two B insurance um, in the fintech realm. Uh, I would say we the the company overall is quite large, but I work on a kind of a, a smaller focused team that's trying to develop a data platform for uh, insurance risk analysis. So we um, do a lot of um, say like automatic classification for different insurance codes, like what does a company do? Um, a, a good amount of how do we handle, um, you know, web data and open data and integrate it into a useful <laughs> uh, platform for uh, insurers, because insurers are actually our, our clients. Um, and I, I guess I'll say we, we do kind of operate in this like often somewhat data um, limited realm where like we'll have either kind of very messy data or like data from insurers that's kind of, um, you know, not standardized in any way. So, so uh, yeah, I, I tend to work on approaches that either don't require a ton of labels or uh, methods that we can sort of source them uh, without having tons of, uh, uh, of manual labor. Got it. Awesome. Um, Yuri, you want to jump in? Sure. Yeah, I can go next. So I uh, work at eBay. Um, so we work on product recommendations. Um, essentially, all of our work is um, interacting. We interact with, um, well, the users interact with our products quite a bit. Um, so anything we put out there, uh, we see sort of an immediate impact. We run a lot of A-B tests. Um, we're very sort of engineering and production heavy um, in the sense that we, when we build uh, our models, uh, we have to make sure they're fully scalable to um, 1.5 billion live items on the site and 180 million users. Um, so it's, um, we have a kind of a combined data science engineering team. So some people are more on the data science front and uh, doing more modeling. Some people are doing more engineering. Um, right now we're working on the uh, personalization and using uh, uh, deep learning models to kind of generate recommendations. Um, so that's very exciting, but it does um, take a lot of um, engineering consideration, working with some uh, real-time pipelines now to um, generate some real-time embeddings uh, for, for users. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to jump in? Sure. Um, right now, we, with, you know, COVID, you know, kind of our system kind of stress. So we are kind of like, you know, speeding at the modernization. So usually in healthcare sector, it's kind of like a little bit behind, like compared to eBay or other, you know, Google or Facebook. But with COVID, you know, we kind of like trying to modernize a lot of infrastructure. So. I'm kind of working on those stuff, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a, a big task with all that's going on. <laughs> Great. Well, um, I kind of want to take it all the way back uh, to the days where you guys were contemplating whether you wanted to join the data incubator. Um, can you talk us through that process for you personally? What made you decide to join the data incubator? Um, maybe how you found about, out about us? Um, like I said, Yuri, this was years ago, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. any insight you guys can share about that? Because I think that that's, it's a big decision. So anything that, you know, helped you make that decision on your end uh, would be great yeah. to share. I, you know, so I, maybe I'll go first since I was part of the first cohort. So I was kind of the guinea pig. 
uh, in terms of, uh, you know, when the program was just starting out, we were the first bunch and, you know, how to get kind of jobs and all that. Um, I think, yeah, ultimately, you know, there, this, this program was based in New York and I was local here. And so I think that was, um, that was, you know, what kind of drove me uh, to it. And, um, you know, I, I think there was a lot of good exposure to the different companies and, and, and the um, skills that you get during uh, the project building. And so, um, you know, I'm certainly happy because I, I got the job at eBay through it um, and been there ever since six years. That's impressive. That's a long time to be at a company. So that's awesome. Yeah, it seems like for like I realize now that my 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 PhD seemed like forever at the time, right? But uh, that was actually only five and a half, and so I, I've realized I've now been at eBay longer than my PhD, which is sort of mind boggling. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, William, you want to share a little bit about your uh, decision in joining the data incubator? Definitely. So um, I was in the. 2017 summer cohort, I believe, uh, in Washington, D.C. And um, so a, a good friend of mine uh, mentioned uh, uh, TDI to me as uh, a, an opportunity to kind of get deeper into data science. Um, I had been working in data science um, in, in a capacity at the, at the time at, at Hello Tractor. Um, and interestingly, in during, during uh, that time, just like now, I think I was the only economist around. And so coming from a background in, in economics and econometric modeling um, and seeing the emerging trends in machine learning and data science, that really piqued my interest. And something that really appealed to me um, for uh, the data incubator was, I think, the way that uh, TDI positions itself to, to market towards uh, graduate quant uh, researchers or scholars, professionals, what have you, and to close that that gap, right? That then you know maybe you have ninety percent of the skills already, and maybe there's just a few things that you need to learn to get up to speed with what's going on in the industry. And so that really made a lot of sense to me for for what, where I was. I was coming out of academia and and kind of the research space, and I wanted to move into industry. Um, and so that was a, a really key factor um, for me. Um, it, it paid off um, quite well. I, I was able to actually get placed um, at Freddie Mac, which was my first choice. That was um, where I wanted to land. I uh, landed there with no, no problem, and it, it's just been a great experience um, since then. We actually yeah. uh, hired from TDI. Um, I think we pulled on my team, maybe there were three people uh, from TDI at one point. Um, so it's, it's a great resource. Um, I, I, I value, you know, the skills that, that TDI um, forces you to develop um, or gives you the opportunity to bridge are really valuable in, in making a, a well-rounded data scientist and, and quantitative analyst. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I love the full circle when we have a alumni that gets hired at a company and then they stay there long enough and they come back and they hire from us themselves. I think that that is so cool. So um, thank you. Uh, Isaac or Dean, do you guys have any uh, thoughts here or want to share your kind of story of how you got to the data incubator? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it, I don't have too much to add. I think my story coming like from academia, um, to industry is, is somewhat similar. Like, I feel like data incubator is one of the few boot camps like targeted at th those types of people, right? So 
you know, I had done some self-study, which I think is very important, like no matter how badass you are at, at your specific field, right? I think there's a certain minimum that I, I, I got to learn on my own. And then, you know, the network and the projects of Data Incubator are really the, the key piece. I mean, um, yeah, it filled in a lot of gaps as well that of stuff I hadn't, hadn't learned in the past, but I would say that and like, you know, the experience of being with a cohort, like I'm still friends with other people from TDI. Before that, I knew almost nobody in data science. So yeah, that, that, that's one of the, the nicest things about it. Awesome. Okay, well, um, thank you guys. Uh, I wanted to see if you could share a little bit about um, how the data incubator has maybe been instrumental, and we kind of talked on this a little bit, uh, in your current role? Like, are there specific skills or tool sets that you have become familiar with or learned at the data incubator that you're still using today? Um, and I guess it could be technical or non-technical. I know some people really gain value, as Isaac said, on those soft skills and making those connections, but anything that you're, you know, you carried with you from the data incubator to your current role? In my case, um, as I mentioned, coming from the world of uh, economics, I had done a lot of modeling uh, prior to data incubator. So much like Isaac combined with self-study, um, there were a few niche areas that I wanted to build capacity in. One of those was natural language processing. Um, and also um, I wanted to strengthen my skills in Python. Um, I think up to that point, I had very uh, introductory levels uh, skills in Python. I had been using R for the most part, um, and prior to that using Stata, which is social, and for the social sciences, um, pretty much what, what they teach you in grad school. And so, um, you know, learning and gaining proficiency in Python was a huge value add for me, building my confidence in, in working in Python, which I pretty much work exclusively in Python today. Um, and then, as I mentioned, the natural language processing, just understanding different frameworks and approaches to building systems um, helped me to to build an NLP uh, data product um, at Freddie Mac uh, this past year, um, that was or last year, that was that was uh, quite well received uh, throughout the company. Um, and so, so those those were the type of skills that, that I found very useful that that I used um, with very recently. Um, yeah, I mean there are, there are others. I think just the general exposure to certain best practices um, has also been helpful. Uh, especially as now, you know, working with junior data scientists um, and, and people who are more entry level, being able to guide people and in, into understanding how to set up their workflow. Um, so, so, you know, very comprehensively, I think the data incubator has, has been impactful for me. Yeah, absolutely. Does anybody else have anything to add to that, Yuri? Sure. Um, so, you know, it's been a while and I'm sure the curriculum has changed. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, th I think one of the valuable skills is, you know, kind of putting a project together, like a data science sort of end to end uh, project was definitely something helpful. I, I don't think um, that I've really done a kind of a, you know, larger scale uh, project uh, to that point. So I think that was uh, good to sort of have that done and, and be able to kind of present that. Um, that was certainly valuable. Um, the skills, you know, it, it's been a while and I've certainly learned a lot um, there and certainly learned a lot since then. And I think in general on the skills front, um, I would urge people to just, just continue to study. Like I'm studying now. I'm, I'm always studying. 
Right. So you got to just kind of continue studying. So I, I would say like, don't, don't think you're going to study for six weeks and you're going to, you can just get a job and that's it. So, uh, you know, just that's, it's a great start. Uh, but, uh, keep, keep, keep on studying. Uh, and the other piece is the, really the, the networking for the, you know, the, the exposure to the different jobs and the, really the markets and industries and the people. I, I think that's really kind of uh, something that you, you can get in very few places. So I, that was really great because you get to go on a lot of different uh, interviews and get exposure to different industries and some that you kind of maybe you don't even get those jobs, but you kind of say like, well, I've, I, I've gone through that process and I, I don't want to go to that industry, for example. And so that's actually super valuable because it, it, it will sort of guide you uh, as you're going forward. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I always say that when you're interviewing companies, it's not just for you. It's also, or not just for the company, it's also for you. You need to figure out what you're looking for. And that interview process is the best way I found to do that. So especially people that are coming out of academia that really, don't know what they want to do interviewing is the best to kind of figure out what industry or what kind of role they are they're looking for so does anybody else have anything to add on this uh yeah one of the most useful things for me was you know every time i you know walk into the interview the thing people want to talk about are not my you know thesis or you know what did you do for a phd they all want to you know look you know look would like to hear like, you know, what I did for TDI and stuff. And, you know, because a lot of our projects are more kind of like, you know, similar to what, you know, you might have it in, you know, when you work for the company or something like that. So these are like, you know, conversation starter, especially for interview. Yeah, so true. Um, and, you know, back to Yuri's point too, we still have students working on capstone projects, which is that, you know, beginning to end project completion uh, that does really serve as a portfolio piece for students to talk about in the interview process. Um, so that's awesome. Guys, uh, have you ever done like, um, what is it, uh, Rose and Thorns? Like, do you guys have like your favorite part of the program and then like what one thing that you thought was really challenging part about the program? Does anybody have any of that that they want to share about the program? A thorn for me was um, MapReduce. Um, that was for everybody. Yeah, and it's interesting because I was I was really excited to learn about uh, distributed computing. That was another one of the key reasons why I wanted to come to TDI. Um, and so um, you know, it, it was kind of a grueling experience to go through MapReduce, and a big relief to get to, to the world of Spark. And um, so, so that that's one thorn that sticks out for me. Anybody else? A lot um, of oh, I, ahead, I can say, uh, maybe I won't say a thorn. Maybe a thorn is that like it is tough in eight weeks to really cover everything and also like you know you get to know these people and instructors and like in some ways it does feel a bit it felt a bit short but i mean i don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing um but yeah like i think um at least when i was there like the instructors were great and and that was definitely a rose um rose yeah <laughs> um, but I, I felt like they really cared about like not to be like an ad but like i'm serious like i, I felt like the instructors were very accessible and um i appreciated that 
Yeah. Uh, most of our instructors have gone through the program themselves. So they, uh, they feel literally your pain, your thorns, they know the challenges. Uh, and um, I think they genuinely very much care about your success. Um, so I'm glad that you had that same experience. A lot of people that apply to our program are wondering, you know, how challenging is the program? Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on this, uh, especially now that you're kind of in industry? I know you've mentioned that it was a good it kind of prepared you for industry. Um, but do you think, was there anything that, like how challenging would you say it is? Do you think it's definitely doable? I mean, obviously you guys all graduated, <laughs> um, but any advice or thoughts there that you could share with people that are uh, currently applying now? I, I guess I would say, you know, 100% do it. <laughs> like, um, it's certainly challenging because I think what Isaac was saying is that it's it's just, uh, it's a very sort of compressed time frame to learn a lot of um, things and to do and to interview at the same time and to just, you know, um, kind of have your attention focused on, you know, learning and doing and networking at the same time. Uh, that's, that's, I think, you know, certainly a challenge. Uh, but I, you know, I, I'm, I, I was in, you know, I, I guess I didn't really, yeah, I was in, you know, semiconductors uh, industry and I was looking to switch to, you know, data science because it was getting pretty hot at the time. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm not looking back. <laughs> like it, it is definitely worth it. Um, they, you know, I have a job now and there's so much opportunity out there. So I would, I guess, whatever the challenge, give it your best shot with that question. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, Yuri. So, I mean, definitely it's an intensive program. Um, it by design and it's, it's, you know, that's, a lot of where the value comes from. Like it's a way to separate yourself from the pack wherein a, a world where you can learn about data science from so many places, different ideas, but then when it when the rubber meets the road, um, I think the data incubator does a really great job of um, you know making you battle tested. I remember in our cohort, you know, we would spend I know I worked probably like 12 hour days um, on on task and we had a really good uh, chemistry within our group, um, people would, would help each other. And so that that builds, um, I think, practical experience for what data science teams are like um, in, in best case scenarios, I, I would say. Um, but I, you know, I, I can attest, attest to uh, the rigor of the data incubators program and curriculum. Um, as I said, you know, I, I hired from the data incubator because I knew, of, you know, not to sound like an ad, but I mean, for, for other boot camps or programs that I, know about that you might know about um, there's just something different about the data incubator <clears throat> that i think separates people from the pack awesome so i want to switch gears a little bit before we open it up to everybody i know a couple of you have mentioned that you are now in a place where you manage a team and you've hired data scientists in the past obviously some of the main goals of people going through our program is to get a job as a data scientist or in the data industry. Um, you know, in your, if you've interviewed people, you know, what are some advice or what do you, what is something that you can give to them that helps a candidate stand out when you're interviewing for them? What are you looking for in candidates now when you're interviewing for a data scientist role? 
Yeah, I think so. It's it's definitely going to be um, maybe team specific and and specific to the task. But I mean, one of the one of the things that um, that I looked for was um, kind of deep understanding of what's going on underneath the hood of a lot of the APIs that are out, um, so that I can I can trust. I know I can I have some trust in um, a modelers or a data scientists. Um, choices uh, in, in, as they build their workflow. Um, and then also the, the ability to, to um, perform under pressure. Um, you know, the, the coding interviews are real. Um, <laughs> um, the whiteboard interview components are real. And, you know, it's, it's largely a, a pressure test um, just to see how, how quickly you can recall certain concepts um, and, and how you maybe walk through a scenario that you may not you know, be prepared for. Um, so those are things that, that I know we look for outside of just specific things, but um, in general, um, those are the, what, what we look for. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any like thoughts on the best way to prepare for coding challenges? I know in our program, we do those coding challenges every morning for that very reason, but I didn't know if there was anything else that you found helpful in, in preparing for those kind of on-site interviews where they put you on the spot. Yeah, they're pretty awful. I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I still don't like them. Um, and, and maybe it's one of the reasons that I haven't switched jobs. Because <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to go do that at Google. Um, but, um, you know, it's there. there's a few things. Um, you know, one side note is that, you know, we've listed some pros. The cons are is this is super competitive, right? like the industry and there's you're competing with uh you know cs majors and uh you know people who have been doing this kind of a very long time so so you you do have to kind of step it up on that front um you know the cracking the coding interview book is is, is a classic uh, i think i'm sure you guys recommend that one uh and then you know for me i mean basically lead code is, is a great one uh, leadcode.com and uh you know for me like i'm literally you know do like the top 100 problems um, and something like that. There's like hacker rank as well. Um, but just, just go through them and, um, you know, like you don't have to memorize the solution, but there's a few sets of patterns that you should be pretty comfortable with. Um, and then you just gotta make sure get them down because essentially for the coding interview, you got to solve the problem with, uh, you know, maybe, you know, first approach and like a reasonable approach, like an N log N approach. Um, and then, and then you got to write the style well as well. So, you know, it's, uh, you can be like, if you see the problem for the first time, that's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. And even maybe not that exact problem, but something similar. So you at least know how to. Oh yeah. 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 Awesome. Isaac, do you have anything you guys want to add to? Uh, uh, we don't do we don't we don't do coding, and <laughs> you're like we're not there yet. <laughs> we don't do coding interview because you know a lot of the stuff we kind of do make sure you know a lot of the thing we are looking for is like thinking. You know, we have a problem. You know, whether he can have the like you know predicate thinking. We don't want someone to you know sit on a project like you know in academia you can you know work on the you know one problem for like maybe two three months we don't want that you know we want more predicate approach you know more kind of like you know 
ship out, you know. Sometimes I have a butt in the coat. I I know that it will hit it, <laughs> you know. So I kind of, I, you know, it's kind of like a lot of timing stuff, you know. In academia, you can polish the best and, you know, push it out. In, you know, practical world, you have, you know, you have to balance out, you know. So yeah. I'm kind of like more like looking for, you know, how people approach, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's one of the big reasons we started our program. Uh, our founder, Michael Lee, was feeling that there's obviously a big difference in the timing approach and the, and the execution of projects from an academia level to, you know, a private sector level. There is, you know, get this done for me by tomorrow or this week versus, hey, you have a couple months, maybe a couple years to work on this, right? And just kind of beefing up those skills so that you can do it in a more uh, fast-paced environment, a more demanding environment. Um, I guess I'll just briefly say, I mean, the other folks here are more senior than me and I've probably hired a lot more people than I have, but um, uh, just in general, like it's important to recognize like data science is such a broad field, right? Like any specific company may be looking for totally different things, right? So you can't we, leak code is amazing and you kind of at this point we're at this place where you are kind of forced to get good at that skill but then there's also this second phase right like can you design projects can you you know block diagram out a system specifically in like more of the engineering side and like that part is also important and like depending on the company they might really care, like, are you really good at this specific NLP stuff, right? And all of your hours on leak code might not matter. So I just don't forget about this other aspect of those, all I would say. Yeah. That's a, I'd like to yeah. echo that, Isaac, if I could. Um, so like there, there's, sorry, um, so I, I remember one of, one of the, the interview questions I used to, I, li I liked asking to candidates was like, what do you consider to be your specialty or your niche in, in data science? Because sometimes, um, you know, I mean, that, that can, can define and give you a sense of what you should be good at. Right. And then, um, you know, so for example, like, so I'm, a, I'm a time series guy, right. From my econ days. And so, um, you know, if someone tells me they're good at time series, then I'm going to, you know, want to want you to demonstrate that you understand all the important concepts, um, versus if you tell me that you're a deep learning expert or you're strong in unsupervised learning. Okay. So then, you know, that helps the target. So, in, in many cases, in terms of finding that match, it's important to know who you are, right? And, and what you're interested in, what, you, what niche or area of data science that you want to specialize in or expand in. Um, and it's, it's okay, I think, when, when you find places where it's like, well, I wanna do deep learning and these guys only do NLP in a, you know, a non-deep learning format, right? So um, I think that's, that's also important. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I guess I wanted to say that. Yeah, that that sort of I think goes without saying that. You, yeah, you have to have that that bar of coding. I guess that's where I was going. But but you absolutely need to focus on machine learning and, and data science. That that is the core uh, of what you're sort of selling yourself as. Um, you know, that's um, and again, I think what we haven't kind of touched on is that there's several different types of roles out there. You know, there's data scientists, there's machine learning engineer. Um, you know, and I've actually, you know, I started off as being more of a data scientist and now more of a, you know, machine learning engineer, you know, working more on systems, uh, machine learning systems. So, you know, it really, you have to look at the role and the company and how they use it. Because I, I guess if you're more of a 
you know, if the role is more of data science and pure modeling, uh, the coding interviews might be slightly easier. Um, that's, that's what I've sort of seen uh, because you're sort of uh, maybe building production code on a daily basis. Uh, but if you are building, you know, sort of product, uh, user-facing products uh, in a production environment, uh, then maybe the coding is, is pretty important for that job. So you have to kind of gauge that as well. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. You know, our program, we place people in data engineering roles and data scientist roles and data analyst roles. I mean, there is a wide variety of how companies and industries label these types of roles. Um, do you feel like we provide a good baseline, though, even if you want to go into data engineering, even though our, you know, track is titled data scientist, it sounds like, you know, that's a, it was a transition that you were able to make. Do you guys think we cover the baseline enough for you to kind of branch out to these different areas that you like or that you want to go to in that path? I'd say that um, I left knowing enough about what to tell the data engineers that I need. Um, so from the ETL process. Um, so that That's is just my experience. And, yeah. <laughs> um, I would say like definitely like maybe analyst, uh, kind of older school data science and machine learning engineer, maybe a little bit more than data engineer, although now all these words get conflated, but like, yeah, there's like some, good baseline. If you understood everything at TDI well, you kind of have a sense for the landscape. I guess there is a lot of like data engineering, very specific stuff that we don't go into heavily, but I mean, it wouldn't hurt <laughs> to have done TDI, right? Uh, yeah. I guess I can come, you know, it's been a while again, so I think the curriculum has changed. Uh, but, you know, in general, I guess I wanted to say that, um, you know, it's sort of, you know, what the question I was asked at interviews is, have you written production code? Um, and, you know, my answer was, I, I guess, no, right? Because, and it, it, it's what, I wasn't even quite sure what production code is, right? Um, essentially, it's working on a production system. And so if you don't, if you're not sort of like, if you don't have that, it's, it's kind of tough to do that without the system. So that's going to be kind of tough to have that, but so I think maybe getting exposure to the you know Spark and and the different technologies as best you can is really the kind of the best you can do. Otherwise, you just have to start getting experience somewhere. Sure, and then you can kind of dive deeper and do that self-learning exactly. that you guys have all talked about. Because I do think that that was a really good point that you brought up earlier, Yuri. That like this is an industry that's ever changing. So we are going to provide you very quick training in eight weeks, and hopefully all the tools that you need right now. Uh, but yeah, you blink and that's going to change. It's going to update. Technology is rapidly updating. So you always have to kind of keep on your toes and always want to be learning more. So, all right, guys, how do we feel about taking some questions from the audience? I have a couple ready for you. Does that sound good? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. So one of the first ones um, is... Uh, what have been the most exciting projects you've worked on? Whether I, I, this person didn't clarify, but I'm going to say within the program or outside of the program in your in your job or at other jobs you guys have had. I can go. Um, yeah, so I think one of the first major projects at eBay um, that I worked on is a machine learning ranking um, model. Um, essentially, where 
uh, ranking our recommendations. Um, and so I took a concept from search engines, uh, this concept of dividing things into recall and ranking, um, and then applied that to recommendation system and build a, a point-wise machine learning ranking model, which is essentially building a binary classifier, um, you know, and the target was, you know, whether the item was purchased or not. Right, so it's, it's it doesn't have to be you know super super advanced. Um, we had probably like a dozen features, you know, and um, and you know we got to put that into production. We actually um, published a paper about it in Rexis, um, the recommendation system conference, and um, yeah, that was awesome. And we got to put a Millennium Falcon on the front cover of that because it was an eBay item. So that was pretty. Give me some street cred there. That's cool. <laughs> Anybody else have any cool projects they've worked on? Um, one, I think one project for me that was exciting, especially early on, it was one of my first projects. Um, I built a, like a fraud detection system, um, for uh, internal use, like looking at different, um, transactions coming out of the, the wire room. So looking at counterparty, um, uh, transactions. And so, you know, it, it, was based on an unsupervised learning process. So a, a lot of the first problems I worked on in industry were unsupervised learning problems, um, which I think tend to be some of the harder problems to work on. Um, and so, uh, you know, and, and I, we built uh, an application, a, a pretty simple uh, UX uh, application. So designing the back end and the front end um, was that was kind of a, a validating time for me to say, okay, I can, you know, I, I've, um, finished TDI and gone into industry and completed uh, an end-to-end -end project um, in, in real life. <laughs> yeah. Anybody else? Um, yeah, actually, this is not for work, but there's some like data science volunteer opportunities, which at some point I encourage people to look into, like Statistics Without Borders is one of them. But, you know, we, they, they had a need for like kind of more coding focused data scientists and um, we basically built a, a service that scrapes the web for like COVID related news articles and like funding and so we would crawl basically like all the Chamber of Commerce websites for every state etc um, and then have some large pool of messy data right and then we used um, topic modeling and some unsupervised approaches to kind of whittle it down to some key categories that people needed, like, um, you know, are what funding in a given state can we get um, COVID aid for? Uh, yeah, and then so like this was an ongoing project, but we started out with kind of this basic approach and then, you know, added labels and supervised stuff later on. So it wasn't super fancy, but it was exciting to be like, okay, we could actually do some uh, other stuff with data science. Yeah, and public facing too, which is cool. So um, I'm getting a lot of questions about coding experience, um, whether like how, like your guys' uh, thoughts on how much they need before they enter the program, um, you know, anything that you can do to prepare coding experience, kind, what kind of coding experience you think you need in, for a job in data scientist. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about we kind of hit on it a little bit, but it seems like it's a popular question. Sure, I can start with the coding. Um, you know, and 
I, I didn't take a, my only coding class that I've taken was my AP computer science class in high school. Um, you know, I wish I've taken more <laughs> in, in school. Uh, and I tell people who are undergrads now, you know, at least take like one computer science class just to, just to, you know, get your hands dirty a little bit. Um, you know, I did some hardware programming in my graduate school in C++, uh, and I worked with MATLAB. Um, but otherwise it was, you know, it was pretty light. Um, and so I had some experience, I guess, I guess I, I had, I preferred that over, over statistics. <laughs> and so I think, uh, I gravitated more to the sort of, uh, data science, um, you know, engineering heavy data science positions. Um, and so I kind of like coding and I like, uh, um, doing that. So that was my experience. Um, and you know, like in general, I'm basically going through, you know, Sort of a, a computer science curriculum, and I'm still going through it. You know, I'm 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 getting close. I'm I'm onto like the AI, like the reinforcement learning kind of uh, classes uh, now. So I feel like that's probably the last thing that I, that I want to sort of tackle. But uh, you know, I'm I'm still learning, and you know, it's been it's been seven years. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a continue, uh, continuous learning process. I I would say. I don't know. For me, I, I, I'm trying to remember what I put on my application. I think I might have put down like, I don't know, five to seven thousand hours of code. Um, keeping in keeping in mind that it, it was domain specific. So I was programming in Stata and R at the time, um, which is a very different framework from um, Python and, and, and C++, et cetera, Java, all those things. So um, I think it's it's important to be very comfortable. Um, writing the code, um, uh, coding and, and, and understanding how to navigate different programming languages and pick them up. One thing that, that I would recommend is if, you know, that I found really useful that helped to accelerate my competency in, in programming is um, doing object-oriented programming as much as possible whenever you can um, for, for your workflow. Um, since I've kind of forced myself to do that, I've seen a lot of efficiency gains and just building frameworks um, that I think are transferable across languages and across different problems. Um, and so that's, that's, I think, one skill that for me was, is, was a game changer. Awesome. Anybody else have any thoughts on coding? No? Okay. I have another thought about, you know, just in general, like languages, I, I would try to stick, you know, learn one or two languages in, in depth, rather than sort of knowing five at a very sort of surface level, uh, and pick something as William was saying, you know, that that can do object oriented. So, you know, like, I, I, my I, what I would recommend, I mean, I'm, there's a Python R uh, debate as always, uh, you know, I'm definitely in the Python camp, um, but you know, something like, yeah, C++, C++ is a bit tougher because it's, it's very low level. Um, but you know, yeah, there's Java, Scala is also super popular, but it, it, you know, th those are kind of the, I would say, you know, solid uh, industry languages. Yeah, and I think, you know, from my perspective as a non-data scientist here, but works with all the hiring partners, that most of them are looking for Python these days, right? And so our program, the coding challenges we do are in Python um, for that very reason. Um, there are some, depending on industries, that are still looking for, uh, you know, that C++, um, but it's not 
it's not too many these days. Most of them are looking for students that have Python capabilities. Yeah, so here we look for like SQL and mm -hmm. Python. So most of our time, like maybe 60, 70% of the time are on SQL. Maybe, you know, it depends on teams. Different team might have a different, you know, flavor. Yeah. Um, somebody was asking, and this is kind of an easy transition, uh, what tools are you guys using on a day-to-day -day basis um, that you can share with the students or the applicants? Which way? Python, for sure, right? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Python, yeah, Python, SQL, um, I don't use R as much these days. Um, um, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, for me, like it, it just depends on what you're doing. Um, I am interested in Julia, uh, but I don't use it at this point. But. Um, I'll mention kind of a little more specific. There's um, in NLP, there's transformers now and there's a library called Hugging Face, where they've done like a crap ton of um, work for you in terms of making language models easy to use. So that's of course important, but then like you want to do something slightly different. You definitely, we need to know like PyTorch. Um, I, I prefer that to TensorFlow, but you know, one or the other is, is very good. Um, yeah, and then like just the ability to like pick up tools, especially in the Python ecosystem where you need them has been important, you know, because we don't have a, a ton of like infrastructure or somewhat smaller. So, so often for specific tasks, we'll have to go out and, and pick the best tool for the job. Yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. echo that just basically be able to um, work with open source um, code and um, is, is pretty, pretty important. So, you know, like chances are whatever you want to do is maybe already out there in a library and it's packaged. And so being able to just kind of install a library and, and work with it uh, quickly is definitely a, a great skill to have. Um, yeah. I mean, as far as I, I, where our workflows, yeah, I mean, Python, you know, like scikit-learn for ML, you know, we, we use PyTorch, other folks use TensorFlow, but um, our, our team uses PyTorch and we usually use this framework called PyTorch Lightning. Um, which is just a sort of a training framework um, on top of that. Um, and then, you know, for the runtime applications, you know, Java, Scala, um, get good at like using an IDE. So IntelliJ um, is a good PyCharm. The JetBrains uh, frameworks are, are pretty good. So just, just kind of keep using, keep using those tools and iterating. Awesome. Okay. Um... Uh, somebody's asking, you know, what made you guys overall decide to go to data science? I know we talked a little bit about this in the beginning. Um, is there, what made you excited about data science? What made you even look at the data incubator and know about data science? Like, how did you find out about it? Well, I think for me, um, I started off um, maybe working on, I think I had a problem like that I wanted to work on. And at that time, I want to say maybe, yeah, I think I, yeah, it was, it was a, uh, 
like an unsupervised learning algorithm that uh, or, or a use case. And so I started researching different algorithms and um, learning about the evolution um, of uh, modeling techniques. And so for me, that that's what opened the door for me. So I guess you could say like, you know, there's that famous Venn diagram for data scientists where you have the software skills, the quant skills and the domain or SME um, uh, knowledge. And so I definitely come more from the quant side, um, doing like econometrics and um, a lot of mathematical modeling. And so <clears throat> for me, it was always about exploring the new methods. Uh, so I, I, I was very interested in the performance, uh, the promises of improved performance over some of the traditional models that we had been using in our space. Um, actually, at the time, I had come across this famous economist at, um, he's at, he was at Google for a while, actually, Hal Varian. And so he he wrote a paper and did, had a presentation going around doing roadshows talking about what economists can learn from data scientists and what data scientists can learn from, econ from economists about different modeling frameworks. And so so that was something that piqued my interest um, to, to, again, like get exposure to the, the new and cutting edge ways of, of modeling data. Yeah. Problem solving at its very best. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I, you know, for me, it was, um, I, I was in, you know, hardware. I was working in semiconductors up in uh, IBM and uh, it's very tied to a specific location. So either kind of like upstate New York or, or Taiwan or, or Korea. So uh, for me, I kind of like that, you know, it's just in general kind of software and data science, you can kind of work in a pretty much anywhere in the world. So I like the geographical distribution of that. Um, and then I had a, um, one of my colleagues from grad school, you know, she transitioned to data science like a year earlier and she had a very similar background to me. Um, so that kind of got me motivated uh, to follow in those kind of footsteps. Um, and, um, yeah, so that was great. I mean, I think in general, sort of data science is, you know, applying the scientific method to a business problem. Um, and that's, um, you know, I thought was was great because the other alternative you can do is something like consulting, which I didn't really, you know, want to do, or maybe going to finance, which for physics, you know, that's been sort of a, a potential pathway as well. But um, um, I thought, you know, data science was a you know, great path forward and it definitely is. Yeah, great, thank you. All right, guys, I have one last question. We are almost at the time. Um, if you submitted a question and I didn't get to it, please know there were lots and lots of questions. So I'm so sorry. I tried to kind of lump some in that could answer a couple at a time. Um, but a lot of people want to know, and I do too, what's uh, one piece of advice you would give to yourself, you know, when you were thinking about applying to the data incubator before you had the careers that you have now, you know, what's one piece of advice that you would go back in time and tell yourself, or you would tell somebody else, you know, in, in a similar position? I know it's deep. I would tell myself to just order the pizza. That would be the advice I would give myself, but. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think I've said it before, but basically keep, keep going, keep trying. Um, you know, you're gonna get rejection interviews uh, for sure, but uh, just keep going, keep learning, keep trying, and, and you're gonna get there like without question. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't get discouraged by the rejection. You will get a lot and you know, it is not because, you know, the industry is kind of like not 
ready to pick, you know, good data scientists. You know, it's kind of like, you know, sometimes, you know, people hire, but it's not that, you know, they couldn't, you know, qualify, you know, what they really want, you know. So sometimes, you know, you got rejection, but doesn't mean, you know, you're not good at, you know, that position or, you know, don't get discouraged, you know. I, I took a lot of rejection <laughs> before I get my first job. Now, you know, kind of like, you, as soon as you get first one in data science, you get a lot of offer, yeah. Most of my yeah. friends only stay like one job for two years, that's it. Yeah, I always say the first one's the hardest Definitely. and that's everything. That was for me too outside of college, you know? you It's uh, always a catch-22. They want, uh, you need a first job, but then they want somebody that has experience. So, you know, you just gotta get that first job and then the hardest part's over. Isaac, do you have any advice? Yeah, I, I mean, it's tough. I think, like, find that thing that really drove you to want to do data science and excites you about it and you know every time you're like oh i got a rejection oh it's too hard like you can remember that and like that you're working towards something right instead of like getting bogged down on this intermediate process which is painful it's just is so just be aware of that yeah awesome well thank you guys so much for joining us thank you panelists i just so appreciate your time it's a busy chaotic world and uh you guys chose to spend an hour here with us uh giving us some insight and advice so thank you so much for joining us uh we really appreciate you you went through our program uh and you lived to tell about it so <laughs> thank you for sharing it with us um to those that attended uh i know sierra put the link to the application i saw a couple questions i'm just going to go over it really quick uh, we are doing early admissions, as I mentioned, that closes on January 15th. Um, one of the perks that we offer in our early admissions package is a free Python course. So we were talking a lot about having experience and exposure to Python. You get access to that with the early admissions package that we offer. Uh, so if you are interested in that, make sure you apply soon, today, by January 15th. Um, also, a couple questions about people having full-time jobs or um, not being able to commit to the full-time program. Yuri, this is how far we've come. This spring cohort, we are doing a part-time program. This is very new for us, uh, but I think it will help with those that have jobs currently or have families at home or just need a bit more flexibility there. Uh, so you can apply for the part-time program as well right now, and that deadline is January 15th as well. If there's any other questions you guys have that we didn't get a chance to get to, uh, or you're personally wondering if this is a good fit for you or you have some other questions, uh, reach out to us at Admissions of the Data Incubator. Uh, we have enrollment uh, counselors that can schedule a call with you and talk you through all of this stuff. Uh, we understand it's a big decision. Uh, we want to help you make that uh, easier for you and more comfortable in that. So reach out to us uh, and hopefully we see all of you guys apply to our program. And once again, I just want to thank my panelists. Thank you guys so much. Uh, and I hope you all have a wonderful night.